We believe and we speak. Ephesians chapter 1, we are, we are going to be uh, remembering what Jesus did on the cross through the uh, communion uh, this morning. So uh, you guys can actually pass these out while I'm getting started. Once you get your stuff, I know I kind of, you're probably thinking at the end because I said the end. We'll take it at the end. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to uh, read, begin reading in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, say has. See, I was, I was thinking, and I'm not going to name any names of any children, but I was thinking like some children think sometimes when I was in school, thinking, I, I, don't, I mean, literature and grammar are my most unfavorite classes. I will never use these in my life. Well, if you don't understand words, you don't understand the word. Especially the action words. You got to learn verbs. <laughs> and so uh, it's kind of funny. I think that's the Lord winking at me. You know, if I had to put it, it's illustrated in natural terms. Like, I see myself in class, and I can remember where I was, what I was thinking. I was like, I'm never going to use this. I'm not going to be like a, a, a book writer. And now I got some books in me, and I'm, I'm like, I'm just like, this is just a comedy. You just made my life like a comedy. So it has past, present, or future. Has, the word has, H-A-S, has. What? Zach, what are you saying? Has. 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 He has. I asked the wrong guy. <laughs> it's like if I if I it's like if I walk back to Bill and start talking about yeah. something scientific, you know, and I think I know a little bit something about it, then I'm like, I know nothing, I know nothing, I know nothing. <laughs> All right, well in my simple mind, because <clears throat> I didn't think I was gonna use grammar. Has is past. Has. T.L. Osborne has a, a, a teaching called Miracle Life, and he uses it as <clears throat> the word miracle as an acrostic. And, um, but then he said he preached this all over the world, and he said, everywhere I go, Somebody's going to come, and they're like, that's not an acrostic. That's an acronym. So then he'd say, okay, this is an acronym, miracle. You know, so he has miracle, M, Jesus, our model, I, Jesus, our inspiration, R, our response to the gospel, C, the credibility of the gospel, L, the legality of the gospel, and E, the experience of the gospel. That's his message, you know. So then people are like, he's like, people always tell me I'm saying it wrong, like it's an acrostic, it's an acronym. He's like, whatever it is. <laughs> Has. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, if we do King James, hath, has, past tense, blessed us with, 
some spiritual blessings in heavenly places. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ who has blessed us. Blessed be the God and Father. You know, you, you just open your heart to revelation of the word and it's amazing what you can get. You know, blessed be the God and Father. Blessed be the God and Father. So it's wonderful. When I think of he, he, he is God, you know, you think of his mightiness and his, that he's everywhere at all times. You can't go someplace where he's not. I, I like, uh, was that, uh, was it, uh, if I make my bed in hell, uh, Psalm 130, what is it? Obviously, none of you grew up in the Southern Baptist Church because we all had this memorized. But anyhow, if I make my bed in hell, even there, your hand will lead me and guide me. There's not a place you can go where the Lord doesn't reach. You know, the devil will tell you if you brought yourself there, you know, you know you shouldn't be doing this and you did it. Well, you're where God can't reach you. Or if you know God can reach you, then, well, God's mad at you, so he's not going to help you. Or you're, you, you messed up so bad, the Lord's just ignoring, you know, the devil's going to, he twists. Manip, he's not creative. He's manipulative. You know, and he warps reality and warps truth and takes what, what God meant for good and tries to use it for evil, like the scriptures. You know, he tempted Jesus. You know, he used the Bible to tempt Jesus? Well, that, that just means he's probably going to use the Bible to tempt you. And sometimes a temptation isn't really a temptation if you don't want to do it. Should I say that again? Sometimes a temptation wouldn't be really a temptation if it's not something that you were inclined to do. Right? I mean, like, I'm not tempted. You know, like, I went on a missions trip to India, and one of my friends, he, I was down in a, a larger city, and he was up in the mountains in the capital city. And uh, in the larger city, there was a missionary who had planted from America. He had planted a church there, and they don't have consistent power. And uh, I'll refrain from commenting about our own country. They don't have consistent power. So he had a generator so it would stay on because they'd lose power for hours at a time. And uh, my other friend, he was native to that uh, area. It was Nagaland is where it was. And, um, you know, so he... <laughs> He said, you need to come up here for a day or two because you need to experience what it's really like because he made like a little USA there is what he told me, the other guy. You know, pastor rivalry, whatever. They loved each other, but, you know, had different opinions. So he took me to the market. And in the market, this is the authentic Nagaland experience. And so in the market, what you would choose to, there were some fruits and stuff, and he's like, no, no, you need to choose one of these. And they were all moving. So there was no temptation for me to do anything with those except for maybe run away. I did eat one just because he really wanted me to, you know. So, uh, you know, some things you're not really tempted to do. So, so the enemy, um, you know, 
he's going to work with what you give him. Right? So he's going to tempt you to do those things. So just because somebody tells you a scripture doesn't mean that that is the word of God to you. Because the word of God is the rhema of God. That's the Lord speaking to you. So, you know, the people, I don't really, you know, I'm going to change this illustration because people struggle with this so much, so I'm not going to do that one. But, you know, like um, uh, Kenneth Hagin one time, he said, like, uh, he liked a coconut cream pie. And he said, one of the ladies in the church baked him a coconut cream pie. And the scripture says, go thou and do likewise. Right? A lot of people use the illustration of Judas went and hanged himself, go thou and do likewise. Right? So you can't just take, just take, lift this scripture out, lift this scripture out. I mean, you could make the Bible say anything you want it to say by doing that. So we have a guide on the inside. You know what? It's like um, accept or reject. Like, I, I know somebody's feeding something. I might not know in my head, like, okay, something about that's not quite right. I might not know the specifics, but I'll know, like, ooh, that's not, you know. So then as I look into the Word, then I'll see. And many times the Lord will just give me different scriptures. And so we're not left alone in this. We have God's own Spirit on the inside of us so that we can accept or reject, right? And we can just take what the Lord is giving to us and not what the enemy's trying to, like, twist and mess our mind up. All right, I haven't got very far. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. According, verse four, as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. God chose you. Before the world was, you were chosen. Hallelujah. You were chosen. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Wow. According to his, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Anybody ever listen to Andrew Womack? Doesn't he say something like, you've already got it? What? Oh, whole teaching, yeah. You've already got it. So I want to, we're going to uh, take communion here in just a few minutes. But I want to start out with that understanding of you've already got it. So communion, we're not talking about people who are not born again. We're talking about people that are born again. If you're not born again this morning, you can be born again this morning. And that is the will of God for your life. That is the plan of God for your life. That is the strong desire of God for your life. But because he is love, he will not force you to come to him. So I'm not talking to you about this message this morning. I'm talking to believers. And you can become a believer 
And God's burning desires for you to become a believer, so much so that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, because of his love for you and towards you, and he died on the cross to take away your sins so you could become a brand new person by believing that God raised him from the dead, so much so that you take a stand with your life and you say, Jesus is my Lord. Right? And anybody that does that from your heart is born again becomes a part of the family of God. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, we're gonna focus in on verse 29. I'm gonna read verse 27 through, uh, let's see here, 31. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 31. I'm gonna read in the New King James Version. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Well, that's like a pretty serious sounding scripture, isn't it? But let's, let's dive into it for just a second. He who drinks, eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Well, you know, if you just... Well, let's go over to John chapter 6. We better go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 in uh, New King James again, verse 47. John six forty-seven. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna, manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He's talking of himself, right? If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I shall give is my... Is anybody reading with me? Is my what? It should be up there. Flesh. Is it up there? Oh, it's not up there. Okay. Uh, John 6, verse uh, 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If... I'll read it slower then. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give or shall give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves. <laughs> the Jews therefore quarreled among I'm just laughing because you just like, People have flesh and personalities, so Jesus is saying this, and so what happens? They just start fighting. <laughs> that's not just like, an, uh, that's not a, an ethnic thing. That's a human condition. Uh, the Lord might speak to you, and you just start fighting. There's so many ways to go there, but we don't have time. Uh, the bread of life I'll give 
Um, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? You see, they had unbelieving hearts and unbelieving attitudes. Like everything he's, he is the bread of life come down from heaven. The heart of the father. I came to give up my life. I came to sacrifice for you, right? Look at, look at how amazing he is. Because the people whom he came, which was all people, but he came to suffer and to die to set them free because he loved them. And every time he goes and says something, they go, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? I noticed something about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is you're more apt to believe anything you find in the Word. I know before I was filled with the Spirit, I was in a church, a good church, uh, but they didn't uh, really understand that experience was available to everybody. And so, uh, you know, it was kind of like if anybody said anything about anybody speaking in tongues, it was, it was like, uh, like if you say, you know, and they all spoke in tongues. Somebody, oh, no, did, did they interpret? Did they interpret? Was there interpretation? <laughs> like greater than the tongues was, was there an interpretation? Like, greater than, like, you know, somebody getting healed was, was there an interpretation? What, 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 what? You know, everything decently in order, decently in order. And so, being around that, you kind of, like, pick that up a little bit. You're kind of like, if you heard someone speaking, you know, was, that, was there an interpretation? Now, mind you, the Bible says he that uh, talks about a manner before he has experienced it is a fool. And so these are people who have not experienced it. Talking about it. So I got filled with the Spirit, and I noticed, like, I had so many questions before. I'm, I'm a man of many questions. That's what I'm told. And so, so uh, like, uh, I got filled with the Spirit, and I was like, I didn't understand still many things. And I still don't understand many things, like, in great detail. I like to know the detail. I like authentic stuff, real stuff. I'm not faking stuff. And so, uh, but I noticed two big things happened. One is when I got filled with the Spirit, the Bible became a new book to me. There was so much light. But then what also happened is I became way less judgmental. And I was like, oh, is that in the Scripture? Oh, oh, that's great. Even though I didn't understand every little minute detail of it. You know, well, we don't believe in... Speaking in tongues without an interpretation, that's the gift of tongues. But you know, like, there's a prayer language of tongues that you don't need to interpret. I mean, the Bible says that he that uh, speaking on tongue pray that he may interpret, but you might not interpret all of your tongues. You probably won't. I don't interpret everything that I pray in other tongues. Well, we can all pray together. We can pray in other tongues. None of that needs to be interpreted. You pray to God and not to men. But if somebody's going to you know, uh, the, Paul said, let everything in the church be done to edifying, to building people up, put something into them. So if I'm going to speak in tongues up here while I'm, I'm, I'm preaching and we're not all praying together, well, that needs to be interpreted, or I need to keep silent, speak to myself and to the Lord, the Bible says. So you, you can speak in other tongues to yourself. Do you ever know that? That's what the Bible says. Okay. 
the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. For he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. This is the same gospel that he says later, if you abide in me, John 15, 7, and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. So whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. That's in your Bible. He who feeds on me will live because of me. Well, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't write all these down, but um, uh, if, you, if you read on uh, the rest of the passages there, one of my favorite passages in scripture is after this many disciples left him. <laughs> They're like, you, you want us to eat your flesh and drink your blood? What kind of cult is this? This is, just, this is just really, really weird. You're just a very strange man. Well, he spoke words from heaven. And the natural man, natural mind cannot receive those things. But the spiritual mind, the spiritual man can receive those things, right? And so Jesus, if you eat his flesh and drink his blood... You have life. What does that mean? Well, he came in the flesh, right? He said, I'm talking of my flesh. So, you know, like, he lived in the flesh and was tempted at every point just like we are, but he was without sin. Never missed the mark. Always right on target. How do you eat his flesh? Well, literally, when we, when we uh, are going to take this, this little horrible-tasting wafers to represent his flesh. <laughs> well, we don't, this does not become like the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ when you, when you eat this. Even if you eat it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it does not become the actual literal flesh of Christ. But when you do it in faith, it has the same power that resurrected Christ on the inside. You, you eat his flesh. How do I eat his flesh? Well, I rightly discern the Lord's body. How I rightly discern the Lord's body? Well, number one, I discern that his body was broken and striped for me and for my flesh. And I eat that with my spirit. I bring it into me. How do I drink his blood? I discern that the blood of Jesus has cleansed me, has saved me, has delivered me. If you don't do this, you don't have eternal life. Do you understand? Like You, you have to understand that Jesus died on the cross 
And God raised him from the dead for you, for me, for every person who would live, who would believe and receive, and I confess him as my Lord and I'm born again, so I receive this life. Oh, we need more time. All right. And so uh, if you don't rightly discern the Lord's body that is broken for you, You know how wonderful it is that he came in a flesh and blood body, human body? Because no matter where you go, no matter what you experience, no matter what comes against your flesh and blood and bone body, Jesus has already been there. And he did not go there in defeat. He went there in victory. And so he so completely and wholly took on human flesh. Well, he did it as completely, and when I say holy, I don't mean H-O-L-Y, W-H-O-L-L-Y. In completeness, as complete as God himself has the ability to take on flesh. And then when he went to the cross, he took on all of the sins and all of the sicknesses and all of the curse in every form as completely as God has the ability to be aware of and know and take all of those things. We're talking infinite power, infinite ability being who did this. Infinitely perfect. There's no, I love that in Psalm 119. I have seen an end to the perfection of all things. It says, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. What does that mean? That means, I don't care what it is, you can find an imperfection in it. But when he looked in the word, no matter how far he went, no matter how wide he looked, there were no imperfections and are no imperfections and never will be any imperfections to the very word of God. Perfect word. Well, that's why I take Proverbs 4, verse 20 and 21 for medicine. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear. He's not talking about your, well, he, you could use your natural ear to access your spiritual ear. But he's, he's talking about your spiritual ears on the inside of you. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them Depart from in front of your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? Keep them in the midst of your heart. Put them before your eyes. How do you put them before your eyes? Your imagination. What do you imagine? What do you see? What do you envision? His words. You got sickness and disease attacking you? What do you envision? Well, if it's like a virus, do you envision like, well, this will just run its course and then I'll get better? I guess that's good because it's better than it run its course and you die. But that's not, that's not all we have access to through the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice of Jesus. So it says, uh, for my words are... Uh, Life to all your flesh. The margin says medicine to all of your flesh. So I take some supplements. 
medicine if I'm not feeling well and supplements when I am feeling well. The word. And so I kind of stir up my knowledge of every medicine that I've ever known that's helped me or somebody else. And then I'm conscious like, okay, that's really just like helping a symptom. It's not really fixing any problem. But I'm like, if any man has the ability to make a good medicine to alleviate symptoms, my God is greater. And he, I didn't say this, he said this, my words are life to all of their flesh. Jesus is the word. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we beheld him as the glory of the Father. So he took on flesh, and in his flesh he took on any issue in the flesh that would ever come to any man or any woman. He took it on as fully and completely as God has the ability to take on any challenge. He took it all to himself, on himself. He said, I I saw you before I formed the world. I saw you before the world was, and I loved you, and and, and I am as a lamb that is killed and sacrificed before the foundation of the world. I set my love upon you. I looked at you, and I saw I love that girl. I love that boy. I love that man. I love that woman. I'm going to make a way for them to really live. I'm going to make a way of escape that they don't have to be dominated by the evil devil, but they can be set free. And so for this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, not rightly discerning the Lord's body. I still didn't get to where I need to get to. Praise the Lord. We'll go real fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all... The members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. So he's talking about a natural body, right? As your body has many parts, many members. I'm I'm showing parts, right? But all those members of that one body, being many, are one body. Come on, if if something cut my finger off right now and it fell over there, do you say, that's Tim's finger? It's separated from his body. And many people, including myself, would be disturbed. Because it's, why? It's not right. It's gruesome. It might make you pass out if you see a member separated from the body. He's talking natural, but he's also using that as a picture. Put it before your eyes. As an image, as an imagination, as a way to illustrate what happens to us when we join ourselves to Christ by receiving his son, by receiving himself, right? We join ourselves to God by receiving Jesus. For, for um, so also is Christ, and then verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. By one spirit, that's God's spirit, we were all baptized, immersed into one body. It's not two body of Christ, there's one body of Christ. There's not even a body of Christ that died and went to heaven and a body of Christ on the earth. We're part of 
one body, one family with one God and Father who's a good God. That's why he said God and Father. He's not just all-powerful God. He's an all-powerful God who is also your Father. It's pretty awesome to have a lot of power, but power without fathership, godly fathership, can destroy. Power without love, horrible. You see it through generations, kingdoms, ruthlessness. He's not just our God. He is our Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? It would just be like Adam's family, the hand, you know? (laughs) We're all the hand. But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye can not say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, uh, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care. I love this right here. The members should have the same care one of another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. You want me to demonstrate this? Because I could, uh, you know, pinch Sharon hard enough And every member of her body would be like, you know, I won't do that to you. No, but you ever smack your, uh, the other day I smacked my, I don't know how I did it. It was on a rock. I smacked my thumb and uh, pinky on this hand. I think it was thumb on this hand at the same time. I don't know how it happened. And so my body didn't know what to do because it wanted to, it wanted to reach out everything towards this, but everything towards this. And I'm like, ah, ah. Sometimes you get, ah, you know. And so you think about that. Part of you hurts. And your body knows what to do. Well, what, what happens? Like you get hit on the head or something like that, and what, what, what do you do? You unconsciously are like this if somebody starts, if, if I just hit my head and then you came at me, I would like, I would have myself, I'd block my head. Why? Because I'm trying to protect my, my body part that got hurt. And I didn't have to train myself to do that. It, it just kind of like is in me. Now you are the body of Christ. I love this too. You're the body of Christ and members individually. So we're part of the body. So not rightly discerning the Lord's body is not only not discerning what happened to his body and how it affects you personally, but we become members of the body of Christ. So if I'm not rightly discerning the Lord's body, well then, if somebody else is part of the body of Christ, uh, sometimes I think, at least for me, I won't put it off on you, but I read that for so many years, and I just think of like another group of believers. 
not so much individuals or an individual within another group. But you know that would include if your natural siblings are born again, that includes them. You know that includes your husband or wife if they're born again. They're part of the body of Christ. That includes your mother and father and your children if they're born again. That includes your, anybody that's born again that you know. So like, let's be honest, the place you get to walk and love the most is the home you live in. Right? And so if you don't rightly discern the Lord's body, how are you going to have that thought towards a part of the body of Christ? You're thinking about Christ that way? The Bible says, who are you that judges another man's servant? Are you their master? No. So according to the body of Christ, well, that includes you personally. How are you going to think those evil thoughts about yourself? Because you're self-conscious. But understand that yourself is a part of the body of Christ. So you're having those thoughts about Christ. How horrible he is. How incapable he is. How ignorant he is. Because you're joined to Christ. So this is the reason that uh, there's a sickness and disease in the body of Christ. And this is the reason, like, you you look and you see, like, sometimes pretty spectacular uh, healings for people that are outside the body of Christ. Why is that? Because you've already got it. And the reality is, if you just discern that the body of Christ was broken for you, and you walk in love towards the other members of the body, it, it might not happen immediately today, but I'll tell you what, all of a sudden you'll find... I don't have very much sickness and disease. I don't have too many physical issues. Why? Because you're rightly discerning the body of the Lord. And so if you ever kind of like, you know, and if we lay hands, well, you just come up to have hands laid on you if you need hands laid on you. But what I'm telling you is the Word of God actually teaches as a part of the body of Christ The only reason that there's sickness and disease is because you're not rightly discerning the Lord's body. So if you just rightly discern the Lord's body, you don't have to deal with all that other stuff. It doesn't mean sickness is not going to come to attack you, come knocking at you. You'll have marvelous opportunities to be sick. A lot of times those come with right before those opportunities to be sick, or sometimes those opportunities to be sick are marvelous opportunities to be stressed and frustrated. And marvelous opportunities to have hate towards someone or ill will towards someone. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we can have close fellowship with other people. This is the reason there's sickness and disease. So let's, let's do this because uh, if we don't do this, we'll have to go another week. So, uh, let's see, it's best if you're sitting probably, so you can just, there's a little white cellophane thing there, you can strip that back without stripping the bottom thing if you want, so you don't spill it in between, but whatever you want to do. And um, we'll take the bread, and, um, and then we'll take the juice, grape, it's white grape juice. 
So I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the same day he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. I love that because the Lord spoke to me with that scripture one time. He said, the same day Jesus was betrayed, he demonstrated the greatest act of love he was getting ready to enter into. And it ministered to me because I felt like I was being betrayed in that season of my life. And so I was kind of telling the Lord how difficult that was. So he, you know, and then I read that scripture and like the same day he was betrayed, he loved. I'm like, huh, your answers are different than mine. Because I would have been like, let me smack him, you know. (laughs) And so uh, let's do this and let's do this in faith. His body was broken for you. We're remembering, we're partaking. So we're, we are partaking of the broken body of Christ into our hearts we're doing it in our natural mouth as a symbol of what we're doing in our hearts to demonstrate what, what's in our hearts. And as we do this, if you need healing in your body, just eat healing right now by receiving the body of Christ in your heart. This little wafer is not going to help you. It might hinder you. <laughs> but in your heart, you receive the body of Christ. So, Father... In the name of Jesus, we thank you for the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that his body was broken so that ours could be whole. Thank you that his disease and virus and all those other things came on his body so we could be delivered from them in our body. Father, we, we discern and we look and we see and we understand as much as we can understand the extent of what he did. So Father, we take this and by taking this in our mouth, in our hearts, we declare Jesus is our healer. Jesus is the taker of our pain. We receive his life and we give him sickness, disease, and death in Jesus' name. Take and eat. The Bible says on the same night that he took the bread and broke the bread and they ate the bread that he took the cup and he said that this cup is the new covenant, the new giving of a life, the new giving of a life and the new receiving of a life. That's what covenant is. You're giving up your life, you're receiving the life of the other. we gave him our life which was full of death that death was swallowed up by his life so the same night he took the cup he said this is the new covenant and it's in my blood Jesus blood he said do this and remember me as often as you do it so father God right now we remember the price that was paid so that we could be free from sin that we could be part of your family. Father, I thank you for freedom from hell, spiritual death, and I thank you for the new life that you gave us. Father, we purpose to live in everything that you paid for us to live in, the freedom that Jesus gives. Father, forgive us for when we haven't 
walked in love, haven't followed you. Father, we freely receive the mercy that the blood is. We freely receive that the life that the blood is. And we receive it in our hearts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Take and drink. Let's stand and sing together. God loves you, has a plan for your life. It's not based on how many good things you do or how many bad things you don't do. It's based on the good life of Jesus and the deliverance that he gives. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Say this. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. 
Jesus, I take you as my Lord. You're my Savior. Thank you for saving me, for delivering me, for healing me. Father God, I thank you that I am now your son or your daughter. I thank you that I am your child, a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.